Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Incomparable, number 693, December 2023. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Incomparable. I'm Moises Chuyan, and I'm your host this week. We are returning to the wheel, which is turning, turning, ever turning, uh, to discuss The Wheel of Time Season 2, now fully available on Amazon Prime. It dropped week to week. We covered the first season of Wheel of Time almost 100 whole episodes ago, back on episode 596, Tom Bombadilification, um, rejoining me to discuss the second season of The Wheel of Time are, uh, to start off with, Mr. John Syracuse. How you doing, John? Big wheel, keep on turning. I, I'm, I, it's hard to believe it was so long ago. I looked at the dates. I'm like, really? The season yeah. was so long ago. It doesn't seem that long ago, but yeah, I'm glad the show is still going. And I'm sure that we will get some contextual information about the uh, big process that that making a big, big show like this has been uh, from the co-host of the Dragon Mount podcast, the Incomparables only podcast dedicated to the Wheel of Time TV show. Uh, that is the unicorn herself, Miss Kathy Campbell. How are you, Kathy? Uh, I'm doing great because you know what? I haven't talked about the Wheel of Time enough. I need to come and do it uh, to the greater incomparable family. Well, as I mentioned, we discussed season one back on episode 596. You should listen to that if you haven't already. Um, I'm not sure why you would uh, listen to this and not that. But if you've watched the first season of Wheel of Time and you're wondering how we feel about it, if you should dive in and continue on with the show, uh, spoiler for that podcast that we recorded almost 100 episodes ago, but we were pretty unanimous in going, yes, more please, we would like a season two. Uh, so you can either listen to those people from the not so distant, but not too near past, or you can pre-spoiler horn, take kind of a vibe check from us as to the way that the weaving is uh, being woven and, and how we <laughs> felt about season two. Uh, let me start with John. Um, I, I have a feeling I know what, what Kathy's answer is, is going to be to this, or, or at least a version of it. Uh, John, um, uh, how ha having seen season two, how do you feel about it? Do you feel like it's something that is worth prioritizing if you liked season one? Is it something that um, you should, you should uh, reenact the week to week drop or it's fine to binge a couple at a time? Uh, what, what is your feeling on season two of Wheel of Time? So I'm I'm here representing the non-book reader people. I haven't mm -hmm. read these books, although I'm aware of them by reputation uh, from uh, my childhood because these are old books. Um, and I felt like season one uh, had a little bit of a Cliff Notes vibe. Like you could tell that they were hitting the the peaks of a much larger and more sophisticated story, mostly to its credit, because 
the deeper story that underlies it informs everything that happens but you can kind of see oh they're really compressing this here this or surely this must be compressed again the reputation of the books as far as i'm concerned is that they're very large and numerous yep. right yep. so there's got to yep. be a lot of stuff in them and so when i saw season one i'm like okay well they've chosen a bunch of stuff to put in this but then in between episodes and in between scenes surely there's much more going on and all that combines to make uh, season one a season where stuff happens if you watch like uh, House of the Dragon and you're like, geez, when is something going to happen on the show? Do not worry. Things happen every, in this every episode, in every this episode of the show. And season yeah. two is exactly the same. In fact, even more so. In fact, things happen in season two. But I really, what I really liked about season two is it felt like whether intentional or not or drawn from the books or not. Uh, you know, season one has the job of like, here's the world, here's the people, here's the, here's the deal. Season two got to take those people without introducing a bazillion new characters and bring them through a couple of season long arcs. And I found that very satisfying in a sort of traditional TV show type of way. Again, hitting the peaks and clearly making it, showing that there were things underneath there that they're in the books that are not in the show. And I will have a lot of questions for uh, our resident uh, Wheel of Time expert to clarify <laughs> things that were in the season. But because I'm not a book reader, uh, I don't want to be spoiled on anything that is past this season. Yeah, so I will yep. try to own. I will try to own. That's why I only listen to selected parts of Dragon Mount. Because even yes. though you have the spoiler section and the non-spoiler section, which is very helpful, you can't help but hint at things. <laughs> yeah, one. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we try so, our best. <laughs> it's it's hard to understand. I mean, it's you know. Anyway, I, there's so only so will, much that you can do. Yeah. I will ask for a lot of clarification, but the, the answer is, you know, is, yeah. is season two worthwhile for sure? Like it's, it's so weird that, you know, the, the, uh, banner, uh, fantasy magic, uh, swords show on this exact same streaming service, which is the Lord of the Rings thing, uh, clearly has so much more money, uh, but yeah. does so much less with it. And some of that is the source material because this is, you know, the, this, this show has, these huge books to pull from that were very popular right yeah and the lord of the rings one kind of is fashioning a show out of some background sketch information and kind of fashioning it out of whole cloth so it's a harder job but this show this show doesn't have that kind of budget uh and it kind of shows on screen but the story and the characters are so much more interesting that if you're if you're wondering like i, I want some sword and sorcery type uh show to watch and you have to choose between this lord of the rings or house of the dragon no question i say watch the wheel of time it's this it's the scrappy upstart it's the underdog <laughs> i really i really like it yeah it, it uh it to echo you as a member of team didn't read the books uh no offense to the books just didn't get around to it as yeah, no, no uh, as, as, as mentioned uh, as we cited the four million pages of the 14 books and a novella of the wheel of time um the thing that i i wanted to mention before i turn it over to the 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 campbell and seat uh our lady our mistress uh, at the top of the white tower um is that we're, we're missing a member of our team that discussed uh the show the first time around and not to speak for glenn uh um, beyond saying that uh, that part of his, uh, you know, sorry, I'm not available was that he he just didn't have a chance to catch up. Um, and we and should he said, just recast him. Yeah, right. we, we should. <laughs> and, I mean, there are enough guys that Topical. look a little bit like Topical. Glenn. Um, I, the, the other thing that he said uh, is something that as I was making my way through it 
uh, later than when it was dropping, considering the events going on in the world. Um, yes, there was there was a fair amount of violence, um, you know, some surprising gore, not like Game of Thrones level um, uh, in, in various respects uh, in season one. In season two, yes, there's a fair amount of violence, uh, um, some some pretty explicit stuff. Um, yes, but there's, there's also, um, there are also some, some dynamics at play that are, um, that are just a a bit, a bit difficult to deal with considering what's going on in the world as we're recording this in November of 2023. Um, so if, um, if you're looking for a trigger warning that is not, uh, terribly specific other than, you know, to say that there, there, there is large scale violence, um, that, uh, that, that people could consider troubling. I can get why, um, holding off on season two <laughs> is something that is totally reasonable and not something that I would begrudge anybody. I enjoyed it very much, but there were a number of things that, that were a, a little more difficult for me to stomach, then maybe it would have been, I don't know, eight months ago. Um, at the same time, you know, the world is constantly on fire and blowing up. Um, so uh, th- there's never a great time uh, to, uh, to, to watch a bunch of large scale violence being per- perpetrated and, uh, and people uh, not being in control of their own agency. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're really the, the siege uh, scenes really, were difficult to not look away from every once in a while, just because it, it just felt a bit too real, uh, to be fiction. Um, speaking of the fiction, queen of the fiction, uh, lady at, at the, at the peak of the tower, uh, how vibe wise, uh, give us, give us your vibe check on season two. Yeah. So the interesting thing with season two in my mind is how much had to be rewritten because of the ending of season one. Um, because of the recasting that had to happen when one of the main characters left in season one that put that character in a different location than they had originally planned in order to get everyone where they needed to be there had to be a lot of rewriting pretty much up like as they were getting ready to film um and so there was a lot that happened in season two that was not in the books um, that I also really appreciated. I'm of the mind that I'm so excited to be in a world where I get to be surprised about the Wheel of Time again, um, because I survived, survived. I read the last like six books as they were coming out. And so there were years in between where there was speculation and, you know, conversations around what did we think was going to happen? What did this mean? What did we guess was foreshadowing? And being in this world again, where I get to be excited because I don't know what's going to happen is is really, really exciting to me. Um, the increase in budget and the increase in um a lot of the energy put into season 2 you can definitely tell that it was post covid because they didn't have the restrictions on some of the locations that they had previously um i just felt like season 2 walked so that season 2 could run and if you liked season 1 you're going to love season 2 most likely with the caveats of the trigger warnings um if you didn't like season 1 you might give season two a try because I think it is better. Um, f- 
from a writing, directing, costuming, wigs, makeup, everything is kind of taken a step up. And I feel like a lot of that has to do with the production team um, that was chosen for season two versus um, what was with season one. And I just really enjoyed this past season and not just because of a Wheel of Time person. I would add uh, a favorable Game of Thrones comparison. Um, in, in the parts of Game of Thrones that I really, really liked, where I felt like it was working the best, it it did what they have in season two of this show, where there is a lot of cross-cutting and intercutting things that are happening along multiple simultaneous storylines. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't just feel like we're checking in because we've got to check in, with a couple of notable exceptions, which we'll get into, I think. Um, but for the most part, it 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 feels like we are we are being treated like adults who can handle a multi-threaded narrative and multiple jargon terminology things that have multiple apostrophes that if you don't have the subtitles on, you will have no idea how it's spelled. <laughs> um, and that's fine. And that's fine. And you can still keep up with things and keep following along without necessarily having to have a study guide and you can go look stuff up and you can go read the 4 million words if you want. And with that, if anybody has anything else before the spoiler horn, I think it's time to blow that magical horn and take us off to the races. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Dot edu slash podcast. So uh, to Kathy's point about up to budget and uh, dialing back of COVID restrictions and that sort of thing, I liked how much more more there was. There were a few performances like new cast members that I wasn't super over the moon about. Uh, Lady Saroth is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, just not super great. It, it was like the, the lady who was speaking for her. I wish that she had been playing Lady <laughs> Sarath's part because she was against better American accents. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, on the whole, um, every time I felt like I had the reflex of, oh, man, it, this is about to annoy me. It didn't annoy me. And it just kept moving the narrative forward. And as much stuff as I'm sure that they left out, which Kathy will get into, I'm sure. Um, I, I, I was just uh, I was delighted uh, by how I felt like I got what other shows would spend three seasons doing in one eight episode season of a show. Uh, John, do you have any, any uh, post spoiler horn opening statements of any sort? Yeah. I feel like this season, again, not knowing uh, how many books this were pulled from, if it was part of one book or three books combined or whatever, I definitely felt like this season had typical television season arcs, again, kind of enabled by season one, essentially setting everything up and introducing you to all the characters and the conflict or whatever. This season didn't have to waste any time doing that. And so it did some fun season two things, uh, like taking the sort of main 
uh, I was going to say main magic user or whatever. Taking taking our, I, I don't know if she's considered the main character in the book, but season one, uh, Moraine is the is kind of the central focus, and she's doing her her things with you know for for various reasons. Uh, and she spends pretty much all of season two without her powers. That is a, such a such a contrast and a clear arc of like your sort of main a uh, point of view character driving the story uh, in season one take away the thing that defines her for pretty much the whole season, breaking her relationship with her warder, which was, again, a foundational part of the entire season. So she's got a fun arc. Matt has a slightly less fun arc. Maybe that's because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, but he definitely has a season arc. And then the the, the uh, one other thing that I really liked about season two is, again, doing a season two type thing. Season one, you know, in the introducing of the conflict and all the people, whatever, it was kind of like, oh, you know, it, it, everything's so compressed in, in both of these things. I feel like they, if they had 10 more episodes each season, I would I would love it. But like season one is like, we're a bunch of friends. We live in the two rivers. Here we are. Here's our different personalities. Here's how we bounce off each other. That's like that's like 15 minutes of the first episode. Right? Yeah. And then terrible things happen to them. But for all of season one, for the most part, there are a bunch of young people, young adults on an adventure outside of their knowing, and they're put in stressful situations, but nothing really bad happens to them so much. I mean, maybe they're tortured by the questioner a little bit, but in general, they, they get through with a sort of unscathed uh, until sort of the very end when they, you know, uh, disperse and everything. And, you know, even when they're faced with difficult situations, they overcome them or whatever. This season is like, it's time for those characters to grow up and see what it's really like to be these you know, be in this, this group of chosen people and really bad things happen to them. As you noted before, really upsetting things happen to them, but it's, it's very much in line with the whole, now things are getting serious. It's not just, we were in a village and oh, we're sad to leave, but we have each other, but we're split up and, and all sorts of weird, like, you know, love triangle, uh, you know, young adult romance or whatever. It's like, no, now much worse things are going to happen to you. And I'm not taking any glee in that, but I do like shows that are sad and depressing. Like I like <laughs> leftovers, right? <laughs> and in, yeah. in season two, uh, some of the characters' arcs get pretty dark and pretty grim. And I feel like that falls, like I read a lot of fantasy books as a kid, that usually happens. Like your characters, they, you know, they go to darker places. I don't know where season three is going to go, but it seems like it's been set up where like now they are, you know, forever changed by their experience because... They're they're not in Kansas anymore, and people have had to make difficult choices, and terrible things have happened to them. And how is that going to change them? And that very much seemed kind of like the theme of season two, yeah. As they revealed more of the plot of the dark ones, of like what's their deal and what are they trying to do? And they're basically trying to trying to put these kids through terrible situations so that they will <laughs> see their point of view and and uh, you know turn to the dark, which will make Rand turn to you know, it's a whole big complicated thing, but like. Yeah, bad things happen to good people, much more show in this season, and I think that is for the better, because, you know, season two escalates from yeah. season one in, you know, a, for, in, a, in a nice way. For these kids to have post-traumatic stress, they they have to have the trauma. Yeah, um, no, they and, it now. Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I get, I get, I get the reflex of going, oh, but I don't, I don't want to see terrible things happen to these folks. And there's a certain, there, there is a line uh, there's a, a a dynamic line to be crossed when it comes to how certain things are depicted. And there are various things that Game of Thrones was, I think, rightfully um, uh, criticized for going a bit too far uh, past the point of, yeah, OK, we get it. We get it. we get that this terrible thing happened to this person. We don't need to see every last torture pointy you know, depiction of it uh, shown. And I mean, especially for Egwene, she 
I mean, the, the, the asphyxiation stuff got to me in particular. Um, and the way that that got reversed on her captor, uh, for lack of a better term, right toward the end, um, as much as that was unpleasant to watch, um, there's a certain amount of that, that, that they've got to depict or it doesn't land how terrible the situation is and, and what the suffering is. Um, and I, I appreciate the, the discretion that they took when it came to where they had shown us enough and they got the point across and they're not going to just keep cutting back to more and more and more, um, of, of hitting the same beat. Um, but they didn't they were, also like close the door and just let you hear screams uh-huh. behind it. Right. You stayed in the room because it was yeah. important for you to see it. I, I think the, I mean, we'll talk about that specifically, but like, yeah, she, she definitely gets the worst of it, but every character had mm-hmm. not so great things happen to them. Yeah. And, and in, in general, didn't have the support that they had. And I know season one, they've yeah. broken up a little bit into little subgroups, but very often people were kind of on their own and at sea. Uh, even Perrin, who mostly, you know, had it worse kind of in season one where he accidentally killed his wife. Um, <laughs> right. Whoopsie. Uh, he, whoopsie. He's still, yeah, he's still sad about that. And he, But he's like, a, it's like he's being pulled in a million directions. He's got the wolf guy, like he's got the Aiel people and he's trying to get back to his friends and he doesn't know what he is. And the dark one's trying to get him. And oh, during all that time, like there's no one there for him. Right? He's yeah. Just, all like, alone. Yeah, even even his. Oh, yeah, we'll talk about the dog later. But yeah. it's just, <laughs> I, I, I want to make a comic book comparison, and and as you, as you mentioned, Moraine's powers being taken away for the vast majority of this season. It gets I, them I back in the second to last episode, right? Yeah, like I I very yeah. much liken this to the first season. It's it's the first X Men, and they're being trained by Professor Xavier. And he's got all of his powers, and then all of a sudden, Professor Xavier doesn't have any of his powers to watch out for these kids that are just figuring out the ways in which they are special and powerful and have agency. And they are literally thrown to the wild to make what they can of things. And everybody, everybody is suffering and ends up coming back together. And as much as I felt like and assumed we were going to get that by the end of the season, I was the, the, the escalation of suffering for these different kids, um, kept making me wonder well are we and i you know i don't know where the books uh the source material take us i don't know that they're all necessarily going to make it and you know we've got some new characters and you get a new character you don't know if that new character is going to survive along uh further and a legacy character that we have from the first season isn't going to make it um kathy to to turn it to you um, mm-hmm. and doing that very delicate dance, uh, among yep. the spoiler, uh, blooms, Indeed. um, how in knowing what you know about the adjustments that they had to make, because they had one of their primary game pieces in the quote unquote wrong place. Um, how did the suffering depicted, cause since I, I guess we're on that thread at the moment, yeah. how did, how did that, how did that work for you as somebody who has the long lived uh, relationship with these characters, some of whom were just getting uh, introduced to like Elaine, like Avienda um, and uh, characters that we've had from, from the first book in the case of most of the rest of the main cast. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know, John, you can tell me if you don't want to know, but do you want to know the differences from the books specifically oh, yeah, sure. for this yeah, section? Like, I mean, that's not, okay. because we've already, you know, yeah. we see where Matt yeah. ends up at this season. So it does, whatever he does to get there is fine. Yeah. Okay. So um, 
looking at um, like Moraine losing her ability to channel, that is not in the books at all. Um, so that's interesting. I thought yeah. that was one of the best parts of the season. I know it was fantastic, but no, it's not. It's not in the books but, at because, all. Because, because, like to to Moises's point, she spends this season continuing to try to do her job. Yeah, but she's doing it by just being <laughs> essentially a regular citizen, right? Yeah, she doesn't it, entirely just by like running around and talking to people and being rude, like marine <laughs> stuff, right? Yeah, right? <laughs> but, but she doesn't have she like she. I, I then again, the, the show didn't hammer this home too much, but like she basically acts like she still has her magic. Like she's not yes. going to bring it up. If you don't bring it up, she's not going to bring it up. And so you just assume that she does. Like, otherwise, why would anyone have dared to be that rude? But right. she just does. She just doesn't. For, yeah. For the whole season. And, and you know, and again, since I hadn't read the books, I'm like, oh, well, you know, maybe this happens to her in the books and it's just she's never gets her power back. Like, I didn't, what I'm saying is I didn't see coming the whole reveal of like, oh, no, she didn't lose it, lose it. Because lots of other stories, you'd be like, oh, I'm sure she's going to get it back because, you know, Spider-Man's got to get his powers back. At the right, end of the right, right. He's Spider-Man, right? But I don't know these books from anything. So I'm like, I guess this is what happens. She Maybe she's like the important first book character. This is the thing that happens in fantasy books all the time. And then in the second book, you know, she's a changed person because she lost it and she'll make some heroic sacrifice at the end of the <laughs> third book. But I didn't know if she was going to get her powers back. So I I'm shocked to learn that she didn't lose them in the book. Yeah, we so uh, us book readers had no idea if she was going to get her powers back either because we didn't. Yeah, know, once they like, make a change this big, you're like, well, what else are they going to yeah, do? Yeah, exactly. Well, was, and, she in, was she in a fight with Lan for a long time, too, or no? <laughs> um, well, so because so in the first couple books, Moraine really isn't the main character. Um, I love the change that they made, not just because Roman Roseman Pike is freaking incredible, but because you, you know, the f- whole story in season one is you don't know who the dragon is. And so by having Moraine be the main character, you can really concentrate on her and then all of the rest are growing and you get to know them. Um, and so having this arc in season two, I think is really great because you get to learn more about Moraine and like, who she is without the Aes Sedai power and, and that magic and who Lan is because he can't do what he needs to do and all of the little things that make their relationship, you know, so toxic when she's trying to push him away and he's trying to get, you know, get her fixed or whatever. Um, But then you look at like Matt, um, Again, his his story is is very different because obviously we didn't have this bit. You had to do something with him in order to, you know, not just have him show up wherever he was going to. Because um, in the books, he goes on the hunt with Perrin. Um, and so they're they're trying to find the, the horn together. And so because he was in the tower and they're leaving somewhere else, they couldn't do that and so instead they put Min in the area to do that whole complicated thing with Leandrin because in the books again Min doesn't have that sort of uh, relationship with Leandrin Leandrin isn't trying to manipulate Min into getting Matt to go anywhere because yeah I mean that, that, that whole plot line I had to bring mind myself at the end of season one they were like oh uh, you know get Matt back to the tower yep. and then like oh that's why he's there but it never really made sense to me like what what is uh, <laughs> what, what is, uh, Leandrin care about Matt she's watching him to learn something or yeah like like, i feel like his arc this season was the weakest mostly because i don't like this kind of character in either in fantasy books or in tv shows where it's like (laughs) 
I have bad self-esteem because I come from a, a bad family and I don't want to th- end up like my terrible father who I hate. Uh, yeah. And so I'm going to, despite me having a big group of supportive friends, I'm always just going to be, oh, down in the dumps and like, oh, I'm, I'm not good enough and I'm terrible or whatever. And I might as well just turn to the dark side. <laughs> and, uh, and I don't, I don't like seeing somebody mope their way through a season yeah. feeling like that. <laughs> but the good thing is, I mean, first of all, I like the new casting. I like the new person. I like the old person yeah. too, but I like the new person. He, he does well. Uh, and I did like his eventual resolution of that arc, which is, no, actually, I'm not going to fall for the, the dark side. Although I do fault him for not realizing that, hey, when the evil person shows you visions of yourself and it confirms all your worst fears, maybe second guess that. Right, right. right. <laughs> because right. they are evil. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that, that he does actually not be stupid right he, right he 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 is a good person he has a brain he uses it to try to do something i yep. feel like min's prophecy was a little bit misleading in the graphics I mean, depicted yeah yeah prophecies are, are meant to be misleading or uh, but he, you know, he was whatever. so close but, to yeah. rand and he was so far away with the spear throw i don't blame him for the yeah. spear throw why were you fooled by that illusion look dude you look real to me <laughs> right <laughs> right you know so that's all well like but 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 anyway his arc i just i didn't like seeing that arc and so yeah. it, it, the fact that a lot of it had to be there to just like machinery to deliver him <laughs> to the location In- where he needs to be including sense. the let's knock you over the head and then suddenly you're gonna show up in- <laughs> yeah, yeah, i'll wake up on yeah. the carpet how did i get here oh i yeah. have ways yeah yeah just- you know, that that was that was a part that for a lot of the book readers were like okay well i mean he, sure. yeah, he needs to get there in the end yeah. i guess but- yeah yeah. <laughs> to your point, John, uh, to to com- make a comparison to the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, it's it's the Edmund conundrum of if you're going to have a character that is going to go, oh, but I can have a little Turkish delight as a treat, and you know, go with the bad guy that is set up for that exact narrative. The thing that I liked so much about this is that we we only saw as much of that storyline as we absolutely had to. Yeah. If we had gotten any more than we had, I was glad when we didn't see Matt for a while. When he was just he was he was on the road with men and unknowingly uh, being manipulated by Leandrin. And that was fine. It was all well and good that I was it, not seeing I, any of I him. liked him and men, but they didn't have anything to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were just they were just transporting Matt just in there. kind of a vague way. And, you know, eventually they get to the point where like, I I know your future. And I mean, he did have his his his, mo- his mopiness peak was when it's like men's like, oh, you can't go with him because you're going to kill him. And does he go and say to, to Rand, hey, by the way, I would go with you. But fortune telling bar lady tells me that I'm going <laughs> to kill you. So I probably shouldn't. So that's why I'm not going. But does he do that? No, he hides in the shadows and looks and looks sad as Rand. Yeah. Oh, I can't go out. I can't go with my friend. I'm just going to be sad in the shadows here until someone hits me over the head. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. Um, well, Kathy, what else did we have that that was really seriously impacted by this? Uh, something that the one thing I got spoiled on was that Leandrin's son, that whole thing was oh, completely yeah. invented. Wasn't in oh, the books at all. Yep. Not in the books at all. Not but, at all. So in, in season one, we had uh, Moraine uh, yeah, pull out one of her trump cards when, when Leandrin's being obnoxious to her in the tower and say, I know about that man you see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was, that was like, oh, good setup for that. But you were, you know, you were tricked. You thought it was a man that she was seeing as in like, you know, a lover or something. But really, it's her son. Yeah. It, it, was there a man that she sees in the books? Nope. Um, right, there, well. I think I believe I believe there actually is like a. Uh, 
there might be a line of like seeing somebody like meeting up with somebody, mm-hmm. but it ends up like, we don't actually know who it is in the books. I, it's just a dark friend. She hates or men, whatever. Right? That, yes. that seems yeah. to be well established. Yeah. Super, <laughs> yeah. super inconsequential, but otherwise she, I mean, she, she's, she's sketched as being a super misandrist, like yes. hardcore, yes. but, but yeah. with reason, with reason they haven't right. gone back into at this point, except to hint at it. And how did they had a little, like few sentences about her backstory of how yeah. she was forced to marry when she was very young or whatever. Like, that, that all makes sense. Although I do feel like her son was very much used in season two to explain like, you know, why did so again, season one, I was not, I was convinced, you know, it's clear that Landon was supposed to be like, annoying and like uh you know an antagonist for moraine and everything but I, i'm like but is she really evil or she just have a different pov about how to go about this yeah. but in this season it's like uh, actually she's breaking the oaths and wearing black and black aja <laughs> and the whole nine yards and it's like okay and i was i don't know if i was rooting for leandrin but i had i had a uh a soft spot for her in season one and season two they're like okay she's kind of super evil but She's doing it for a good reason because her son X, Y, and Z. Yeah. What the heck is her motivation in the books? Um, th- See, so this is something that the show does so much better is it makes these characters actually have motivations um, for the bad guys. A lot of times just inst- instead as, of just as, serving a purpose. Yeah. And mm. uh, a lot of the characters in the books don't have a purpose they don't with all of the words you would think that robert jordan would have given you know some structure but there some is motiv- some motivation yeah some, you know relatable motivation with, with all like those you- words where was the character development and yeah. he'll get to it he'll get yeah. to it in book 15 uh so like the the forsaken over the books you learn why they turned to the dark and why they became you know, bad guys, but for a lot of the smaller, quote unquote, smaller characters, you don't, you just know that they're, uh, gave their lives to the dark one type of a thing. And it's, it's just kind of this generic bad guy type of a thing. Um, which is what another thing that I think that they have done so well is making you understand the quote unquote evil guys. So you don't, it's not just black and white. There is a level of gray in each of the characters. And I think it actually um, adds to if you if you take what is in the show as canon and like kind of those developments. So like Leandrin's backstory, maybe not the actual son, but like where she was married as a young girl and and that sort of thing. It It can almost make the books even richer. And I think. I, it makes me really sad for anyone that is a fan of the books that hates the show because of these changes. Like, I get it. I understand. But again, I'm just so in love with learning new things about the Wheel of Time. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs, just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. What what I'm loving about talking about this, it's adding a layer for me on top of having watched it and enjoyed it because for me, the best adaptations 
you know, there's there's the first draft and then the second revision and the third revision and all that kind of stuff. And then the published version is like draft 28 or something right. in various respects. And then when something gets adapted in, in a case like this, whether it's posthumous or not, and you have a team of writers that are going back to the complete 14 volume work and go, okay, this is where this character goes and this character goes and this character goes. We can plant seeds for where that development is going. Mm -hmm. Some of this happened with the Potter movies, in fact, where there there were things that were woven into the screenwriting of those movies that J.K. Rowling didn't write, thank God, um, that that worked with where the books ended up going. Yeah. And it feels like what what we're hearing without being spoiled for further things is that is that there is very much like a quantum level of that with all of this, because Definitely. there is so much source text, even though loads of stuff gets left out uh, to the point that we're we're looking for the human failings of somebody like Leandrin. I look at a character like Ishamael, who I go. I don't know what break the wheel means yet. I don't want to know. I shouldn't know yet because it's not time for me to know, but it, it feels like there, there are opposing versions of I am the most right about this on two different sides of a triangle that are represented. And the other is the past life of the third point of the triangle. And we don't have enough information to know what the thousands of years of development means to which one of these folks actually is most right, or if any of them are right in the first place. And I love, I love that there is, there, there is this lingering thing that isn't a mystery like a MacGuffin that when it's revealed, oh look, it's a sled. Spoilers for Citizen Kane. Um, that, that that is nearly that simple. It feels so much more complex than oh, wait till you find out what the secret is in book six. Um, and it's, it's something that can be spoiled in one line. This is so dynamic, so contextual that it, 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 uh, everything, everything has a variety of different perspectives attached to it. And there's no easy objective truth. And even the prophecy is, is being stage managed into existence right. where it's, by well, Mar this is where this part happens. A lot of times. Yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah, I, like the motivations of the characters, like pretty much every every evil character in this show, every character that does anything that you might disagree with is given a reason. It's very yeah. often shorthanded, but they do such a good job of it. Even down to this is one of the things I learned from Dragon Mount, down to the idea that the the large factions that are warring in season two, uh, the, the White Cloaks, the Shanshen, the, the our band of heroes, the Aes Sedai, every single one of those groups is is essentially trying to win the last battle they just have totally different ways of going right. about it and, and varying degrees like but like, you know there but is john, no group john, that's like, if, john if we do it just right this will be the last battle right. in a series of last battles <laughs> one, one, one of them involves like oh we, we have we enslave all the magic people and do this and the white right. cloaks actually we have to kill everybody who does magic but they're all like they're all going towards the same common goal so at the big level all the groups you understand what they're trying to do. You may think they're doing it in the wrong way, but right. you understand what they're trying to do. And then at the small level, every single evil person, like even Ishmael, who like in the, in the first one, I was confused about the fact, like, is he the dark one or whatever in season one? No, like you, you, it's clearly not. Every single one of the Forsaken that you actually meet in this season, which was granted only one and, you know, like everybody has a motivation. Ishmael, you learn what his deal is. I don't agree with his deal. I think it's stupid, but yeah. you know, he has a deal, right? And, uh, and, and the other characters that like, 
are doing things you don't agree with, like Rand is being blown around a bit by a leaf doing Rand things or whatever, but yeah. he gets to voice. I, the reason I'm doing this is because I think X, and you could think, oh, you're stupid for doing that, but everybody gets a thing, and it kind of leaves you with, like, the, literally at this point, the only sort of pure evil... Sauron style, like classic, this is the force of evil, you don't have to know enough about it. It is and remains the Dark One, who, mm -hmm. as far as I'm aware, has not been on screen and may or may not be an entity or a person, but it's just like, suffice it to say, there is evil, but then here are all these people serving evil. Like, even even the weird curly-haired, like, her nephew or whatever, right? He, it's an, he has an explanation. It's like, why did he turn to the Dark? Oh, because he wants to raise his family name, and he's like, why would he be marrying the the princess or whatever and becoming the king like oh just deal with the dark one right like at all <laughs> everybody has something that is and it, it is so shorthanded and so compressed which is part of what i i just wish they had more money and time for more yeah. episodes because so much happens uh and, and it makes me it makes me glad that the writing is so good because very often to to do one of the things i just described you'll get three sentences three sentences in one episode and so you yeah. better make those three sentences count and so like i i do appreciate when they're able to pack a lot into three sentences to give backstory, characterization, hints about the future, foreshadowing, like just in three sentences, because that's all you're going to get with that character for a few episodes. And it just feels so massively compressed. But I appreciate that that they're giving it to everybody. And this is that's kind of a Game of Thrones thing where it's like, oh, who's the good guys? Who are the bad guys? Everybody's good. Everybody's bad. Or like any sort of sophisticated show made for adults who doesn't want to don't want to sketch things out in a cartoon way. But I just feel like this show has like the ratio of characters to minutes is so brutal that they just <laughs> it's just compressed and pressed down into this thing and it's concentrated and yeah. it's great and it's satisfying yeah. to watch but i just i wish you they i have so many more characters in this that i wish i had more time with you know from your mouth to bezos's ears <laughs> yeah shift some of that lord of the rings budget over <laughs> please <laughs> what i love most about that john is that it makes me actively pay attention more i can't I can't fold another pair of socks. I might miss yeah, I, something. I, I watched season two twice just to make sure I got it all. And also, yeah. I mean, I watched it I, once myself and then I watched a second time with, with my wife. And I have to say the second yeah. time I got more. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kept, just like I kept the books. backing it up. I kept backing it up like I was reading a book going, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Let me read those two pages again. <laughs> yeah. yeah me, and some and some of that is on, on the fault of those. Like they compress it. Sometimes it gets over compressed and it's like, I don't understand why this person is doing this thing or where they're headed next. Because there's just some connective tissue that's missing and you just have to watch it a few times and say, okay, so you can fill in the blanks because, again, just people are moving, they're going, they're fighting, they're doing, they're just everything. Like, especially, so the whole range of characters that we haven't even talked about, well, I don't even know their names because even though I've seen the season twice, like, the... Uh, the older lady, the older, like, she's a brown, from the brown Aja who's, like, writing uh -huh. a history book and yeah, Lan was hanging out and being mopey with Varen, them. Yeah, so, yeah so her whole deal and then Alana... Her uh -huh. whole deal and her motivation, her little crew and her little unit and everything like there's just so many characters. And, so and many sometimes things. they go, you, you they got, go episodes without seeing them. You got you got Varen and her her like, for lack of a better term, her T.A., uh, Yasika, yeah. um, <laughs> yep, yep. who she sends on little missions and yep. Alana and her two boyfriends. And if mm -hmm. you would just sit down and have a meal with them, they would explain polyamory in a way that would make sense to you. Yeah, pl plus all yep. the cousins. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And. It's so from coming from my mind, I know what these characters will do in the future. And I have loved seeing the setup for those in a way that y you guys won't notice. You don't know. You don't. 
understand. And that's totally fine because it will pay off. And then when you watch it again, you'll be like, aha. And I am sitting here going, hee 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 hee. And I just like know because the, the there are some things that I am like 99% sure will still happen in the series, even if it's just a single line, as opposed to, you know, a larger plot point or whatever. But being able to see the foundational setup for the future is really exciting as a reader. Yeah, and they're really, really charismatic actors in oh, most gosh, of those yeah. roles. Like, you can kind of tell, like, how good an actor and and uh, often, like, how attractive they are, how important a character they're going to be in the future series. <laughs> yeah. Like, hmm, I like, seem to uh, overshot with that casting. I don't know about well, that. Yeah. <laughs> Bornhold Sr., we're not going to see that much more of him, but Bornhold Jr., I think we're going to hmm. see more of Bornhold Jr. because he's a, a young, handsome Irishman, not an older, handsome Irishman uh, who, who played Jr.'s role on previous shows. This is something that people might find, I don't know, off-putting or whatever, but like, because this show doesn't take itself too seriously, right? There's, It's got, a, it's a little bit fun, adventurous type of thing. Um, but at the same time, like, it doesn't, the show is not, doesn't let you say, oh, remember the white cloaks there? They were super mean in season one. But like, you know, not all white cloaks are bad. And hey, here's a nice yeah. white cloak guy, this handsome fellow here, and he's being friends with Perrin hey. or whatever. And it's it's like, yeah. it just won't let you say like, oh, we hate the white cloaks, yep. right? Or we, yeah. hate, we hate the, the like, and there's, there's almost nobody who's... I mean, I guess maybe the Shan Shen, like the people with literal slaves. <laughs> right. there. But within that, like they, they seem to be a decadent society. Where, But even when they get to talk and they say like, you know, even what's her face of saying like, I, yo, I, I know why you resist. You don't understand what we're doing. Don't you see we're trying to defeat the dark one? It's like, OK, I'm on board with that. But, you know, yeah. about the slavery. Mm. Right, right. Let's maybe not the slaves, but. <laughs> and and not the sort of like a demonizing, like very much like the White Cloaks are saying, we don't think these people should have this power. So with the White Cloaks, so we'll kill them all. And you know, we're not going to kill you, but we're going to use you as objects. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Every time you want to go, well, not all White Cloaks. And mm. then they go, but we should be allowed to discriminate indiscriminately murder whoever we want. Yeah, yeah, well, and and and, and keep on, the white cloaks <laughs> did kill a dog on screen. When right. is the last time you have seen that happen? Yes, and let me just yeah. make a, a point that Kalupinka, who is the actor dog who plays Hopper, she did that death scene as herself. There was no CGI. Well, obviously the spirit thing floating up with cgi but she laid there and did the very good acting of i'm very sad i'm gonna make eye contact with you and mm -hmm. i just have to call well, out her out. basically yeah yeah so <laughs> ma major props to but like that what, what tv show or movie ever kills the dog no one. Now, i kind of understand it's like, well, it's a wolf and the wolves are gonna die because it's that kind of thing or whatever but i like in, in the show still a this, dog Still in the show dog. of this fun, like, adventure romp, you know, thing yeah. with some darkness in it, they kill a dog for crying out loud. I know. And it was heartbreaking, and I cried so hard. Even knowing it was coming, I still, like, absolutely I would have been less bald. sad if Perrin died. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Perrin, <laughs> you are Perrin not wrong. dies, and, we're, and we stick with Hopper the rest of the time. Yeah. You yep. know, it would have been okay. Because the, of, of our main squeezes from the first season that we follow, Perrin's, Perrin's was the storyline that, that had me... I, him not having Matt for the length of that, I think negatively affected his because it was very, he was very Wolverine. It was it, uh, to make another X-Men comparison. It was very, 
you know, I am I am beset upon, and I don't know things about myself, and I just I just get angry and I kill mm. things. He's, he, he feels guilty and he's sad and you know he's down on himself and like this season was more of he has an identity crisis and is being pulled in multiple directions, but he wasn't given that much to do. And honestly, his no. wolf power thing. When you're hanging out in this group of people, you're kind of lower tier <laughs> with the wolf yeah. power. Yeah. <laughs> the other, like everybody's got like, and and, the, every, and people are ramping up. Like Nanive spent a lot of this season, like we've blocked, right? Mm-hmm. Which is fine because we know what she is capable of because we saw in season one. It's just, she, she didn't, you know, she didn't quite get over that, that hump. And I, oh, I did like the scene where, uh, what's her name got hit by the arrow and she's trying yeah. to weave and, and can't do it or whatever. So she's like, use your wisdom skills. The wisdom yeah. skills suck. The wisdom skills, I'm going to shove this arrow through your leg with my hand. Right. How do you without like that? taking like, the fletchling off. Like, exactly. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Listen. It's, like, it's yeah. like, listen, two rivers. We're a little primitive. We, we die from bone, break bone fever instead of curing it. And so if you really want me to fall back into those skills, I can, but you probably should have held out for the magic. Right. <laughs> I get that they, they, they forgot how the the flying cars worked, but uh, not taking the feathers off of the arrow. I know. Uh, before that the, and that was a thick arrow. <sighs> it was. Yeah, it really was. was. Yeah. She mostly recovered. Oh, and speaking speaking of Elaine, I think again, I have to assume that actor, like the characters, be more important because that actor is, is very charismatic and attractive, and she gets some really well written lines in this yes. season. And and like she has like three lines in the whole sort of like we're in we're in Hogwarts kind of like uh, yeah. <laughs> I said I thing, and those lines are all good. Like I, I especially loved her two sentences about uh, I know what jealousy looks like, right? Yes, it's like what oh a good gosh. friend putting in her place, and the, the fact that she doesn't have friends and everything like that. And my favorite part of her, so she does all this stuff. My favorite part of her is the very last scene with the the big fire dragon over the top of the thing. All of our heroes are arrayed in a very heroic form. She's right there with them. She's kind of like the person who's like incorporates herself into the friend group. It's like, mm. <laughs> like, yeah. like, and I'm one of the heroes too, right? But then Me later, too. Like, I saved Rand. Exactly. Like she was, she was like, she was like the third from the left in the photo. It's like, okay, well, I guess. I mean, I understand. Like anyway, uh, but then it was kind of undercut by like maybe the next scene or whatever. When uh, I think. Um, Whatever the the for the spider webby forsaken who was hanging yeah. out there, McGideon. To, uh, yeah, she she was she was talking to uh, what's her face, uh, Lanfear, evil, evil, yeah, evil eyeshadow lady, um, and saying I'm gonna I'm gonna take all five, and I had to do the counting. All five? Are they counting Elaine? No, she's not. She, that would be six. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Elaine. She's yeah. just interested in the five. You're great and all, and you and practically speaking, you did all the all the weaving that Anive couldn't do for this whole season. Well, and he was being an idiot, and you were helping her out, but it's just the five. Elaine, you helped save prom, but you weren't on prom committee the whole semester. <laughs> that's true. So yes. that's yes. why you're not in the yearbook photo. But and she needs to be in the group you, because she's the only yeah. person with any worldly knowledge of right. anything. Well, yeah. here's here's the, the, the character inconsistency thing in the writing that kind of bugged me was that at first, Elaine, the way she was written, 10 out of 10, uh, person of privilege, checking her privilege. Um, but but getting, she's a nice person underneath. Nice she's person, just sheltered. And then when it's when it's her and Nynaeve on the streets, she suddenly goes Princess Karen on her and goes, "Okay, we did it your way, and it was bad." But but no, but Nynaeve is just, is just being driven by her emotions and doing stupid stuff. And and Elaine understands. I know these people are from this place. These people are from that place based on what they're wearing because that's yep. what she would know as a royal person. And she sees all the different kingdoms and she and knows groups, you know. how much Nynaeve has messed up. 
and is like, look, you're you're too emotional about this. You're not using your logic because you're still just a two rivers lady who manages to have a huge power. But for that she can't it, that she can't control or that use. you can't control. Right. Yeah. And, and my issue isn't with the way that she's written. It's that she says that and Nynaeve just doesn't respond and just and just and just takes it. And yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know. I, I felt like at that point, Nynaeve probably would have said, you know what? <laughs> I'm free, free, yeah, tried my way. I just I just sucking. I just wanted something of response because it was suddenly I went, wait a minute. Was it Nynaeve or Egwene that went through the really torturous slave process because Nynaeve yes lots of post-traumatic yeah, they, stress they needed more scenes of like, as is often the case yeah. they needed more scenes That's, together but they get they get yeah. one shot in yeah. two sentences and then we're off to the next thing because yeah. they didn't have enough time for them to work well through especially that. because you had Nynaeve's trauma in the accepted test that mm-hmm. is where she got that where she lived with her child for years for years mm-hmm. And then suddenly has lost it and dealing with that and the inability, the things that she can't do. And she lost her other baby, Egwene. You know, she went with them to try and protect them and save and couldn't. And she's now a slave. And so Nynaeve is just in a like swept away in this world where she can't control everything. And even though she has the power, she can't actually control it and the the journey of trusting other people i think was mm-hmm. really powerful in this season um it, and especially when you s- know that Egwene is going to have a lot of trauma coming yeah that was a, that was a big focus of the land moraine thing too i mm-hmm. think uh-huh. again I'm, I'm i'm so surprised that that wasn't in the books because i thought it was like you know i would have loved more scenes but i thought it was so well executed because they knew they were going to have like three important scenes in the first few episodes and one or two super important scenes in the final episode. And I thought they were all beautifully executed. I even love like speaking of better locations, that beach they were on. Oh my gosh. Oh, isn't yeah. that amazing? That she's doing. That's, and that's like, what shooting in Morocco gets yeah. you. And that, yeah. that their, their reconciliation. All right. So we all saw it coming. Like again, as soon as she said, you know, you are not my equal. I knew where that was going, not because yeah. I read the books, but because I've, Read, you know, I've been exposed to media yeah, in my yeah, lifetime. Yeah. You've, you've, watched, still, you've watched a few things. I still things. like the payoff. I still yeah. say yes. Yeah, me I, too. You know, it worked. It worked for me, even though you knew it was coming. Yeah, uh, yeah. And and, and, know, and to just, be clear, to be clear, like my quibbles about, you know, I I wanted a little bit more texture to this. I, I, it, none of it breaks any of it. It's it's not even I want two more episodes because I think the eight episode arc, the way that they have been doing this is good instead of just going, Oh, I would like 12 episodes, please. Well, that causes a lot of pacing problems. A lot of other things. I would have loved them to have the freedom for the episodes to each just be just a little bit longer, just a little bit longer. Well, season two was just a little bit longer because they didn't put Mm -hmm. the intro music. So they got just a little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that. Although they they brought back the intro. They brought it back for the finale. Yeah. 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 Which I I thought was a really nice touch. Yeah. It really worked really well for me. But I'm I'm just saying, I I think the experiment of giving them a little bit more breathing room worked. And Mm -hmm. these are people who make very judicious use of the time that they are given. Yeah. And and j- just a little bit more texture uh, and, you know, and, and uh, repeating terms with seven apostrophes in them yeah, uh, yep. would, would, would just help just a little bit. Yeah, I, I didn't have the subtitles on. And so I don't actually know oh, how man. many of these things are spelled. But oh, but you don't yeah, need could, to know. Uh, well, it, it, like. it, all, it all sounds very Scottish, very Welsh or very yeah. Apache or it, you never know what. Oh, yeah. It's also yeah. not entirely clear to me. So the Aiel, you know them by their red hair unless mm-hmm. they shave it off, in which case somehow Rand thinks that people aren't going to know his hair is red. Right. 
that they know anyway. Right. But anyway, um, the the girl in the cage, she's supposed uh-huh. to have red hair. She's got blood on her hair. I'll give her that. <laughs> Not yeah. entirely sure she has red hair. It's it's red ish. It's mm. definitely a richer red. I don't, I don't know, John. Uh, have you calibrated your HDR display? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a, I, yeah well. I mean, this is, it, because it's such a plot point in the show that these yeah. are the, these red-haired people. That it was, uh, I thought it was a strange bit of costuming not to emphasize her red hair. I mean, yeah. even even though that's who she's clearly supposed to be. I, I want to ask Kathy something about uh, something that surprised and delighted her that has nothing to do with plot itself. Design mm. elements, costuming. Yes. Um, accessories, stuff, visual stuff in the show that you having read the books either was only described so much in the books or wasn't described at all in the books because there, there are some wild out there cages on people's faces that they're doing by choice. And as a, as a note of how luxurious and opulent their lives are, um, the pacifiers, yeah, well, yeah. what are what are some of the things along those lines that you really dug seeing brought to life that you had no visual reference for outside of maybe fan art or or the covers on the books, I guess, right? Yeah, or the covers on the books, right? We as a community <laughs> tend to not like the covers because They're they don't great. actually uh, follow actual descriptions in the books. It's kind of like if you look uh, at the cover say? of the first Mega Man game. Uh, no, actually, so the the char- well, yes, but the the um, way that Daryl K. Sweet kind of did the covers was he would get kind of a sketch of what was going to happen with words, and then just kind of make up his own thing. Um, so it, yeah, it's iffy. But that being said, I think Sharon Gilliam, who came for season two absolutely nailed the base information that Robert Jordan put in the books. Um, You kind of hear bits and pieces of like what things kind of look like, and she just kind of took it and expanded it. So you have different um, cultures and mash them together. So you have the kind of feudal Japan and um renaissance era for uh Kyrian and just so you have little pieces you know sleeves and collars and lengths and and how things gather and fall and all of those and then you have the Shanshin who are um Mesoamerican and uh Chinese mashed together and yet pulling these things from descriptions in the books and just made them even more incredible and just the the care and attention that's put into everything um if you go on instagram and you follow sharon sharon's instagram account she has these reels where they're describing the layers of the costumes and how things inspired bits and pieces in a way that just makes you soup like you understand how passionate she is about getting it right to the point where all of the Xianchen, um armies have about three different layers of clothing that are specifically designed for if they were Xianchen because she didn't know if at one point there would be Xianchen undressed that need to get dressed into their armor. And so each of these pieces 
were extensively just crafted to support the story. And it just, it just still makes me so flipping excited, especially since season one, everyone kind of wore the same thing. Mm. Um, and so having these characters have more than one costume, even like Leanne, who is the keeper of Chronicles, um, with her incredible, like, stole scarf coat thing that she has um with a huge collar when uh leandrin comes in and is like hey where's the amirlin seat and she's like hmm i talk to the amirlin seat every time i talk to myself type of a little sassy sassy yeah, bit her, her like her outfits that. are you're, you're talking about the very tall lady right yes yes she her outfits are amazing <laughs> yes. they're I mean, so I mean, incredible it, it, it helps that she is a statuesque model right but mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. she is so annoyed and so and her outfits her outfits reflect that is she looks amazing that that and like and this is so this is kind of so like uh you know i don't know basic but like oh like the the eyes that i have cool outfits especially the you know so she's got her thing and then uh what's her name swan right yeah when she comes uh with her 24 i said i or 14 whatever it is yeah and is up on that throne and summons Rand. first of all i love that actor i wish i had like three whole episodes of her <sighs> sophia canada i know right? yeah just she's so she's good incredible. and the outfit that she's wearing there oh she's a big queen person in charge of stuff and has an ornate outfit fine they did such a good job of that she it was just so like they would frame shots of her sitting back against the throne which was ornate and her outfit which is ornate especially since we had seen her in season one in more of a like you know chilled down outfit plus when she's in the secret little painting with moraine and of course when she's on the river and everything and then here she is in this thing it's just such a I, i liked her character arc from like you know moraine's lover to you know uh, there, you know, her her secret ally inside the tower to this one basically deciding the thing that we tried twenty years ago has obviously failed, and now we have a disagreement about it. And by the way, you yeah. swore an oath on the oath rod last, you know, whatever that you may not have remembered, but I did. And that that terrible breakup, I felt that so much too. Oh yeah. And she's on this huge out. She's in her the most ridiculous yeah. ornate thing you've ever seen, but still so threatening and so yeah. like I just it, I she, love that like she, like she. She looks great in those in dialogue, just as well as she looks when framed by CG mind daggers that she's going to stab somebody <laughs> yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, although I do, I do have the question of all. This seems to be the go-to for like, hey, I have to be ready to kill someone. Is the is the mind daggers? Yeah, I'm not so sure. They they seem to have a in in video game parlance. They seem to have a long ready time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that may that may end up being a problem but anyway like yeah she was, I, <laughs> I, I, I you know they they didn't i didn't think there was enough time with her because i love her and i, yeah. I love her yeah. uh, relationship with moraine and i loved their that scene where she essentially is forced to do a thing and the, just the oh hurt in her face and that's just works Ugh. so well and it's such a good so payoff but yeah i just wish there was even more of them because they like they do the thing it's like we're not going to tell you anything about them we're going to have one backstory scene 20 years ago title card you get this is what you get you get this one scene which is like yeah it has the compression of like we're gonna talk about what we're gonna do while we're on our way to talk to the the prophecy lady who's going to change our fate that stretches credulity like maybe those things would have happened separately as opposed yeah. to just like while we're on our way let's vow our love and i'll be your fishwife. and by the way oh never mind yeah just kidding <laughs> Yeah, Let's I, I feel world. like those things had to have happened in separate scenes in the book if they happened at all. Last season, they broke Moraine and this season they broke her. Yeah. 
Well, and, no, but they're just like it's it's very much like the the various warring factions. Yeah, they all have a common goal. They just don't agree on the best way to on get there. what it is. Yeah, and yeah. you never you you see it so pronounced with Swan and Moraine. They both obviously have the common goal. They have this agreement that they sat to 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 for twenty, work for 20 years. They've been for pursuing the years. same plan to achieve this. Yeah, and because they didn't communicate with each other and and you know held things back, like oh, I didn't know you were stilled, and oh what the heck are you doing in the tower you clearly don't have the power you think you have and, and uh, you haven't you haven't been able to like your your job is to be rand wrangler and you're not doing great at that yeah yeah because <laughs> he's loose imagine if a forsaken had gotten to him uh, about that uh, Look, well <laughs> anybody anybody who thinks uh, the clothes don't help uh, tell the story ha- have not seen this show i one other costuming yeah. thing i want to mention before because uh, we're, we're starting to get into uh some of the stuff that that is them hanging various terrifying lanterns for next season uh, um, mm-hmm. even down to the white cloaks in this season, yeah. in the way that the others that, that feel more visibly, um, blended and mixed together with different things, the, the different vibes of the varied designs of white cloak, um, costumes, which maybe they weren't changed that much. Maybe they were changed a lot. They feel like th- they are, um, more than just in the featured characters like Valda, um, and Bornhold. Um, it, it is, it is, um, the, the Met Gala, the year they did all the church stuff <laughs> mixed with Warhammer 40,000 mixed with, mixed uh, with the Catholic church, the Catholic, just the yeah. Catholic church yep. and like crusaders. Yeah, I, like, I like that, that their smokescreen is incense and like, look, I get why you're doing that, but I don't think those little casters can provide enough cover. For Listen, <laughs> it's magic. Apartments. It's okay. clearly, it's not natural incense. But they don't it's like magic. Special. That's the whole deal. Shh. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, they, they, they got a bigger budget, but you know, they they got a Czech Republic budget and rings of power has a New Zealand budget and it's, it's yeah. amazing what people pull off with limited resources when it's, it's a matter of, okay, the show must go on. The show's got to get done. Um, yeah, regarding, speaking of the white cloaks in yeah. the books, like so they, they, they gave you the one sentence, uh, foreshadowing of like, well, we have something they don't. And they like, oh, they got trebuchets. Good for them. Climbing yeah. the tech tree, which, which I felt I, I liked, uh, what's her name? I keep forgetting her name. Landfear. Landfear was dissing them of like 3000 right. years and we're still on the swords and stuff. It's ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, at least they got like, they understood like catapults and everything. Look, right. we have distant artillery and you know, it's like just yeah. finally something technological progress I, I mean it's bad that the white cloaks are doing it but I, at least that fits with their character of like we don't need magic we can use leverage yeah we can use science i'm i'm interested to see how much more warhammering the white cloaks uh get up to as we saw them kind of level up compared to just you know the the uh, lethal brawlers who seem to have a bunch of resources that we got in season one um i i mentioned the the breaking of uh, Sawan, which uh, I'm referencing a thing that Lanfear says about how she is more useful to her broken than dead. And that, that's Lanfear's whole deal is like, I could kill you, but it's much more useful. Killing for is you final. Yeah. yeah. You're it, the, to have this piece on the board that I, because her whole deal is manipulating people and mm-hmm. she's pretty good at it, I would say. And so it's like, yeah. great, I'll just save you for later. I, I mean, yep. to, to yes and what John was saying, I, I am hoping that this is setting up a lot of really juicy Sawan stuff for season three, because what we got of her in season two is fantastic. And I just want more, 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 more. Um, what an interesting statement. Yeah, it feels it feels it feels like we're going to get exactly what we want there. Um, I like that we have our, um, you know, if 
if Eshamayel was Bowser Jr., um, all the Koopalings that got woken up um, mm-hmm. as as he disappeared, we know what one of them is like. And uh, yes, I'm assuming they didn't cast the other ones yet, so that's why we can't. <laughs> probably. <laughs> you know probably. Why, why why pay more than one person for a single scene that gets across mm-hmm. yeah. the idea, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, what yeah. what are some of the other things that that it feels like they have set up uh, for the future that that the two of you really like, John? Mm, let's see. I mean. So here, I actually think I have some questions. I have some questions yeah. about things that were on the ah. screen. That what am I supposed to take away from them? They're not a question about the future, Syracuse right? is yeah. our questioner. Yes. The more questions I ask, the more I forget what the end of that sentence is. The, the more things I learn. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So at the very end of the climactic battle, uh, yeah. Rand spends a lot of time being protected by his friends. Their shield is falling. He goes down. He goes up with his sword. He stabs Ishmael through the heart. I think the show was trying to say somehow through some magic that is not explained on screen at all that Rand has given him the final release of death without reincarnation because he feels sees nothing. Or is it just saying that he's just killed him once and he'll be back in his reincarnation? I don't know what the show was trying to say there because it spent so long us explaining like, what's his deal? Why is he turning evil? His his evil deal, as dumb as it sounds, seemed to basically be. Uh, life is suffering, and even when you die, you get reincarnated, and you go through the same crap again. Wouldn't it be great if we could just stop that whole thing? There's it's, there's a lot of precedence in both sci-fi and fantasy of the character who's like, you know what? If the universe wasn't here, everything would be nice. <laughs> right? Which I I guess is true, but you really have to kind of get buy-in from everyone else in the universe before you pursue that plan. Ishmael's like, no, I know the best. It'd be better if we all just like didn't exist and stuff. Um, and in particular, I would like not to exist. And it's hard for me because I either have eternal life or every time I die, I come back, which is a thing in this universe, and it kind of sucks. So it would be great if we could stop that. And so he looks up at the birds when he's been stabbed through the heart and he turns into gray dust. And he's like, I see nothing or whatever. Are they trying to tell us that Rand has magically given him his final death or did he just die and reincarnate? Like, I don't I don't care what happens in the books. I don't say what was season two trying to say happened in that scene? Well, I wish I could give you an answer because so you don't know what the show is trying to do. I don't know what this show is trying it, to it do. It sure it sure looked like he was being taken off of the board. A, a phrase that That's, kept coming back around was taking off of the board. But and he was point, often talking about killing a mortal person of like, oh, well, yeah. we know if you kill her, yeah. she'll be back in a future life. But we've got fine. Like she gets born again. She's a baby. It's like takes her off the board for this round or whatever. But the whole I mean. It's so, it's it's hard to say um, yeah. because there was also the the section where he's talking um, to uh, Pat and Fane about how Lanfear has the ability for reincarnation, like uh, healing herself, um, which implies that maybe Ishmael doesn't have that. Um, but from what I could tell, I I believe that the show is saying that he has finished he is actually dying but i don't know if that means that he would be reincarnated um i mean i would assume that it means he's gets back into you know to be spun out by the wheel in the future unless the wheel gets broken and then he's dead for for so so a related question um we have so uh Lanfear's whole deal is she's into lose, uh, and we see various scenes in the past, which is 3,000 years ago. We don't see her there, I think, most of the time, but we see him and Ishmael and yep. the whole deal and how they get caught on their little saucer discs and everything. And, you know, that's all right. Okay. Um, in the discussions, it's not clear to me if that was a 3,000 year p- 
pause because the Forsaken were in those little discs and couldn't reincarnate. Like, like he was talking about like it lose in my last life or whatever. It's like, but Rand is the very next one, and he, he is like after lose. Rand is the next dragon, right? Right. So the the thing with um like the souls coming back, it's not necessarily every soul comes back every age but also you don't remember your past lives right but the, um, the, the forsaken do because it's basically the same life well, and the, they were just right because the, the forsaken haven't been killed they, they and that's the whole thing away. that they they're yeah right. they're they're put into those into those sections so they're not dead so their soul can't be kicked back out into uh the world because they're it's still in captured in their body which, which makes lamphere's whole deal with rand weird and creepy because it's like yes. you are in love with a guy who's not here and yeah fine this is the reincarnation of the guy and you can keep thinking you see things in him or whatever practically speaking it's not this guy he doesn't remember you he doesn't yeah. know idea. i mean maybe he has visions of his past life or whatever and they don't really lean on that too much but like but it seems like a long gap because because uh what's uh ishmael talks about like oh well he's not he's not ready to join us like again disagreement about the tasks like we're supposed to be yep. serving the dark one here you think we can get him to turn to our side by doing all these things and i think it's too early and then you know if pad and fane kill her off she's just annoying me and she's ruined my plan and maybe we maybe we have to wait for the next turn of the wheel or something like that like right. maybe we just have to wait to rand to die or grow old or whatever and like next time he's reincarnated we'll give it another try like he's playing the long game but that's what yeah. made me ask like okay how many cycles has this been through? But no, it seems like it was lose 3000 year gap now. Yeah. And if you have eternal life and you're going to be here forever because you are a forsaken and you have the power of the dark one and yada, 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 you have that long term plan. Uh, and so especially because he's been very OK, we're going to move this. It, it, he's not playing timed chess. He's playing you know he's not even he, playing chess he's playing go yeah yeah, yeah that's, that we have, that's why we have to have Lanfear give stones. us the characterization of ishmael yep. saying like yeah. you know ishmael if up to him he'd just be spending like another 50 years in this city setting up the pieces like no actually yeah. i didn't know that about ishmael until you told me because there haven't been enough scenes but thank you for filling that <laughs> in yeah, thanks, for, thanks for filling yeah. in those gaps i the the thing about Lanfear is that as much as various gray or dark shaded characters uh have that that you know like like we were talking about uh with leandra uh, th that sort of oh well there's this aspect to them that we don't get the super creepy reincarnative grooming thing that she's got mm -hmm. with rand makes it where no i'm good i'm good just not liking her and I, so I, I don't i didn't dislike her though like it is creepy what she's doing to rand and the whole lying part of the beginning but she genuinely like i think the actor conveyed the hurt that she feels from the you know the dif the difficult situation that led her to this to to you know to turn to the dark side three thousand years ago mm -hmm. and how she's come back and she's not like a wicked you know sorceress bent on destruction she, she can do that i love the scene where she gets her shoulder pads and goes walking oh, into the yeah. city blowing everybody up it's great <laughs> but i i found her surprisingly sympathetic in that like when she makes the pitch to rand where she's like i'm the only one who cares about you everyone else just cares about what you can do for them in terms of battling yeah. the dark one but i'm literally the only person who cares about you and then rand's me like 
no, you care about lose, and that's a different dude. <laughs> I'm not yeah. him. But from her perspective, I felt like she was like, oh, she's being so manipulative. I'm like, I think she genuinely believes that when she was saying it to Rand. It's ridiculous because she has in love with a guy who's not him, but <laughs> I can see the confusion. And so I found her a very sympathetic character in this season. I just couldn't because she's thousands of years old and she's seducing a teenager who, in in relative age terms... It, it's it's just it, I mean it's the he's, vampire it's the vampire he's an thing. adult he's there in he's their twenties well he's an adult he's just really dumb he's an adult <laughs> yeah. look look I I can't romanticize this because it's it, you know he literally tells her you were the first one who took me in as an as an adult and, no you know you're the first one who yeah. treats me as a man because he has I think he has become a man now in his exile from his friend group or whatever and. I was glad to see him not pining over Egwene this whole season and, yes. you know, finding a new friend of himself who happens is. to be a person. Okay, cool. All right. So, yeah, uh, it, it's also not creepy at all that Dracula is seducing Mina Harker, who's thousands of years his junior. Well, so here, here's know. what thousands of years thing. They're in those little discs, they're in little pogs, right? Whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, the whole, the, the pitch in the show was like, well, you'll be unconscious, but like, like, I, like, I think that passed for a blink of an eye for them. Like, it's not. They didn't age during that part because okay. they spent the whole time Moraine, stuck in the discs. Moraine, Moraine is what, like 100 years old? Yeah. Well, the, yeah. The she's forsaken, not seducing land. Right. I know. But I'm saying the <laughs> Forsaken, the Forsaken must be at least as old as Moraine is, if not older. Yeah. Yeah. They're probably a couple hundred years. But you got to remember, Lanfear thinks that Lake is going for the soul heart like loving part and so because yeah. he's the dragon reborn yeah it's icky however i do i do like how the show does it way better than in the books it doesn't matter what <laughs> it can the books always be do. worse yeah, yeah it, it, it can, can always be worse, worse. yeah way I'm, worse i'm just i'm just saying i i i have more difficulty finding sympathy for her than i do other baddie coded characters um but Oh boy, could it have been so, so, so much worse. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do kind of feel like, I mean, sympathy for her now isn't, I understand her, her like goals and everything, but more as I feel bad for her because it's clear yeah. that she's been very hurt, right? Yeah. That yeah. she is, no, I think that's that she is a damaged person trying to heal herself in non constructive ways, some of yep. which involve mass murder, right? Like, yeah. so she is, she <laughs> is, in, 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 she is in fact an evil sorceress, but she is also very hurt. And the thing is, she, she never really, even when she is blowing up the city, she's never so cacklingly evil. You're like, okay, fine. You're just a cartoon character. At every point, yeah. you kind of understand why she's doing it. And she's she's practically reluctantly doing that because it's like, now I have to employ my powers in the old-fashioned brute force way because that's the only way to get my... I would say for her management style, maybe don't use like the weird sea captain guy for so many errands. Like, just do it yourself. <laughs> Like, he's not reliable. You have tons of power. Just do it yourself. The sea captain guy, we had not seen him in like six episodes. And (laughs) he's just wandering around the town while it's under siege. And just like, oh, my lady, you have more of that weird disc material that I couldn't sell to Moraine because she tricked me. It's like, oh, I got a whole bunch of that, but I don't want you to sell them. Here's some money. Sink them in the ocean. Just do it yourself. (laughs) Just do it yourself, Yeah, but see, here's the thing. She couldn't because then uh, Ishmael would know that she was doing things against him. So by using somebody else. She basically told them she was i love the, the double triple across things of like are you yeah. gonna betray me of course ha ha, ha let's Absolutely. laugh about it like no yeah. ishmael you're stupid <laughs> this was one of the things that I, I i felt like i caught most of the big things but i did not exactly understand the economics of short selling magic crystals um <laughs> and, and what that was supposed to serve other than oh sneaky eyeshadow lady yeah, is up I, to I, something I, I feel like she should have explained to him look 
I know the material these discs are made out of is really valuable because it's like unbreakable and stuff, but inside are these super evil people that you may have heard of. So sinking them in the ocean is in all of our best interest. Don't yeah. please don't try to break them up. You can't break them out. Like that's the whole thing. They're they're unbreakable. Even Luz can't break them out, but apparently Rand could because the next dragon is powered up or something. Yeah. Um so there's discs like like, I get why he wanted a shard of that, but apparently he couldn't even sell it to Moraine. And if, if you have these discs, you can either get the whole disc or nothing. Like, he's not like he's going to be able to break off a piece of it. So, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that, I, I did like when they had Ishmael come in the room and dust off his hands. Like, I caught that. <laughs> even on the first watch, it's like... And see, I didn't catch it on the first watch. It was the second watch that made me say, oh, I know what he's doing. Yeah, and like he broke them up with his hands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, th- there was that lingering shot of, of, the, of the stone things, and I was like, wait, what were those supposed to be? Oh, okay. And you know, yeah. you know what did it? You know what they should have done in the production design? When Lamphere is freed, she's in like one of the skyscraper, one of one of the don't notice their skyscraper sections, right? Yeah. Uh, but her disc is like in the ceiling, and it's yeah. kind of far away. If hers had been sitting on the ground like they were in the room, everyone would know. Oh, that's more of those things that like the one that Lamphere. Same with thing like Ishmael. Ishmael came out of one that was on the floor. Hers was on the ceiling. And then they were all vertical. And so I asked my wife when she watched, and she totally didn't catch. Like, why do they keep showing those discs? Because they just look like the room decorations. Like, no, those aren't room <laughs> decorations. Those are those are a plot point. You'll see in a second. Yeah. These are yeah. my these are my limited edition decorative plates. Yeah. From three thousand oh, years ago. Kathy, has has anything that either of us has said surprised or delighted you, uh, or 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 set you, um, uh, you know, ablaze with? Oh, oh, I wish I could tell them something. Oh, there's um, lots of things, but I'm not going to tell things. you. Good, 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 um, good, good, good. But good. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about is in the books, Egwene's um, prison sentence moments. Um, you don't see it in the books. You just hear stories after uh, she's rescued, and by showing it, it hit so much harder. Because um, in the books, you know, oh yeah, she's she's stolen and she's a slave and she's made to do some things and yada yada yada. But you don't you you for me anyways i was like okay yeah it's a plot point but by seeing it um it made it even more like horrible and horrendous um and really set her up for what's going to happen in the future even more which i really i really appreciated also in the books she doesn't kill her um soldom uh yeah that that's one of my questions actually one of the ones yeah. I, that i should have written down all right so they establish pretty well the whole dynamics of like you are the thing, the person takes it, yeah. this is what you can do, blah blah blah. blah right. Um and so at the end of the season, uh there is the showdown between her and her her soldam. And so uh-huh. first first rule violation. Uh she grabs the little collar thing and shoves it on her soldam, right? Yeah. But yeah. she can't touch anything that she sees as a weapon. She can't even touch the water jug because she's thinking of hitting her with it. There's, she absolutely has a malicious intent with, with that thing. Yeah. So she's using it as a weapon. But I'm going to give them a half pass to say, well, you did say that this thing needs to be healed and needs to be on the woman. So maybe this thing itself, because this is the thing that implements the rules, like, well, you can't use anything as a weapon, but I'm not a weapon. You should right. totally put me on women's <laughs> necks. Well, John, get- you, you forgot that there was a uh, there was a, a, a zero day bug in their um, entrapment <laughs> encryption in the, yep. in the technology. Right. So here's the next question. Uh, anything anything you uh, do to me, you feel twice as much yeah. yourself. So you've got two of them. They are each other's 
Saldam. They're both wearing their they're both wearing the collar, and they're and they're both battling each other. And she is killing her by hanging her from. Th- it's like the feedback loop. If you try to do like the code on this of, the, yeah. of these ancient objects, okay, wait. So if you feel everything she feels twice as much, but then she feels everything you feel twice as much. I know what the show is basically trying to say was, uh, Egwene is tougher. And so in the battle of who can endure this agonizing pain longer, the, the, the other one will give in first. Uh, but then Egwene will not show mercy because this is the new Egwene and <laughs> she will, <Yeah>. she will <laughs> kill her just like she said she would. And so she does. And, but I, I feel like the, the, whatever that character was that was uh, that was her sort of master in this terrible relationship right had had already been established that she like that she understood the dynamics here i don't know why she would the queen literally told her she was going to kill her so do yeah. not think you know, i'll i'll release you like the, the fact that she let Egwene go seems like i don't think that character would let her go because she knew they wouldn't do anything but anyway you have to have her you know survive and win the battle so i'm interested in how that played out in the books at all but i think in the show like they with the rules they had established when that final confrontation and catharsis happened i was confused about what they were trying to say about the mechanics of what actually happened there that sounded like it sounded like two questions where one of it was about the mechanics and one of it was about the character motivations well either way so this isn't how it happened in the books um she uh is in her room and the um bracelet is on the wall and she gets um kind of saved by people uh and Rena comes in and then she puts the collar on her and so she sits and she's locked in the room and that's which which collar did she Uh, get that she they they remove the color from Egwene, and so she's able to use that color. How do they color. get it over? Do they figure out how to work so or something? So in, in the books, it's like a little... It's not magical like it is in the show. It's literally just like a collar, and it has like a hidden switch type thing to unlock it. Oh, the show the show was way more interesting. Way I, I more interesting. Oh, yeah, I, I it like was the fact incredible. they called it a... What do they call it in the show? The same thing the arches the are? The Soldam. No, the, the, oh. the, the, the arches are also this kind oh, of uh, device. Oh, yeah, like yeah. it's a thing from the ancient world that they don't understand, which I always just assume is like a technology thing. And that's what the uh, and the fact that it needs to be put on a woman to be healed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved all that lore. I'm kind of surprised it's not from the book. It's one of my favorite. Oh, things. well, so so that part is from the books that like bits of it. The the fact that it can only be used for a woman where it was like created by an Aes Sedai to help, you know, trap fellow Aes Sedai. But then it was used for herself. Like those parts of it are um in the books and you learn a little bit more about kind of that and, and the fact and that, that it needs to be healed so like the, the, the device has like a like a, a a personality and it needs to be healed and putting on the woman is how you yeah it. so it, it definitely has that that desire to be completed um and that's kind of what the uh soldam think of you know when they're wearing the bracelet they want they need to find somebody to use the collar mm-hmm. to 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 be completed that the they call it you know this completion you are uh be, you become a whole person as a soldom with a damani on so, the end so so they're electroshock manacles with feelings Right, exactly. And, yeah. and, that, and speaking of that, like the fact that it was not just alluded to in the book, I feel like this, as difficult as that episode was, whatever it was, this uh, sixth episode where yeah, you get sixth. to see uh, Egwene and her prison cell being trained by her uh, yeah, Soldam, and she's not a woman, she's a Damane. That I felt like was, and this, 
you know, don't mean the way it sounds like I feel like that was the heart of the second season. It was the yeah. most affecting, uh, dramatic thing that happened. I think they did correctly thread that needle of not being too exploitive, mm-hmm. uh, right? But still not shying away from it. And they re- what they really concentrate on is the most horrific part of this is the mental emotional not so much the torture part of it although i think they really nailed the effects of the i love the collar i love the shimmery shaking kind of thing vibration yeah it wasn't making blood spurt from them no one was being dismembered no it wasn't like the reek scene in game of thrones or whatever but it was just such close and personal (sighs) violence mixed in with what i thought was an i thought the uh the the actor that played rena like her whole deal like from her perspective and her, her cultural, this all seems normal to her, which I thought was perfect because yeah. to, to them, she doesn't think she's being evil or the the bad person here. This is the culture she's been brought up in. And it's like, she's just trying to get a good grade on her SATs and she's going to have the most powerful demane and everything. Like, yeah. it's just, and, but from Egwene's perspective, it's like, lady, <laughs> like, wake <laughs> up. This is not the way. And just, and, but she, it's like such different perspectives. And so she's trying to be like, you know, I'm going to be nice to my pet, right? I think yeah. I'm going to let you keep your name and so on. It's just, and that that I felt was very affecting and horrifying because, because of the echoes of the way it is in the real world when like the masters don't see it from the same perspective and they don't think they're as evil as they actually yeah. are. And of course we see it through the heroes. Like, so affecting, yeah. so well done. Um, yeah. And really, and, re- and the thing is, and those scenes, they did give enough time. They did yes. they mm-hmm. give them enough time to have lots of pauses and do the whole water thing multiple times and have her explain and have the moments of of like triumph of like you made me burn down the tree that gave me comfort but it's exhilarating that we could do this together and the big explosion and she's annoyed and she doesn't want to do what her master says but she also kind of hates the white cloaks but now she's blowing up children so much and her thing in just those few episodes plus all her backstory from season one that was my favorite part of season two as difficult yeah. as it was to watch and I really especially on the first watch I was like you come out of that episode and it's like like it's so much more so than the heavy. other ones yeah it's so much heavier. the two parts of it for me were were the incredible illustration of stockholm syndrome mm-hmm. and the performance from the actor who played rena um Gosh. i could i could see people criticizing it for the flat affect but the flat affect goes exactly what you're saying john where it's this is her culture this is what she is known, this is what is acceptable. Why would and this, this is not a thing be of acceptable? honor in her culture? Like yeah. she's she's this trying is... to excel at a thing that that is is uh, admired in her culture. And the the accent that Rena's character has by being Shanshan, kind of that American accent, um, makes it almost creepier in my mind because so often you know, there's this whole manifestation of who the bad guys are and, oh, the the English, you know, accented humans are clearly the good guys because that's, you know, how it always happens. And and hearing, but hearing an accent that you don't realize is an accent until you compare it to kind of the other mm-hmm. accents yeah. is, is just perfect. And the way that character, he did so such an incredible job at being the dog owner that like oh you you pooped on the carpet okay you know you're going to be punished but i still love you let me you know treat you and teach you how to how to yeah. do the things that you Don't need just to see do what we can do together yeah. if we cooperate yeah. as long as you do everything i tell you it's so <sighs> creepy um in the books uh Egwene ends up like pushing against so much that Rena takes the name and gives her a different name. And that's kind of one of those like 
you, I gave you these as a gift and now you've ruined it. So I need to take some more stuff away and get more and more harsh with you and mean and like strip away even more of those personalities. And and even, even though that was in the source material, um, I can understand them looking at the comparisons to the reek storyline in game of Thrones and going, if we do that, then it's people know it too well yep. from that, that it'll be so directly compared. It, it won't and they have, didn't have enough the time. same effect. They didn't that's have not, that's not the right tone for the show. Anyway, no. like I feel like this, yeah. this, this thing pushed it as far as you can go within the tone of this show that for all it's, terribleness did fit with the rest of the, yeah. the yeah. stuff that the game of thrones was willing to uh sort of wade in uh but the show is not like yeah. that but like this again the 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 personal violence of uh you know that the worst thing about it is not that you're being you know cut with a knife or tortured in some way but it is is the the complete loss of agency and not being treated like a human and that is the heart of it and that's what this thing really concentrated on and uh, and the whole water thing, like, and you know, it was it was a good demonstration of breaking. Lots of shows do yeah. this. Like, let me let's see our main character, or someone we care about, break under the strain of something, right? Yeah. And and this thing really puts a point on it of saying, like, there is literally a magic device that is going to ensure that we know exactly when you break. Yeah. <laughs> right. We don't have to guess by your performance or whatever. And like that's that was the the the, the, the one of the tragedies of that whole thing is like seeing her try to get to the water both a because she's Ugh. dying of thirst but also b because at a certain point as you would imagine anybody like she she like she gives in just like okay fine i'll pour you the water and she still can't because mm-hmm. in her heart of hearts she still wants to smash that won't over the head and so do we and so we know where she's coming it's like I, you can't get to the water but you really want to be able to get there but we do <laughs> want to kill her it's it was so well done i feel like that really elevated above uh, I think it elevated above everything except for maybe uh, the, the the thing that didn't get as much airtime, which is the the uh, Moraine and Lan uh, yeah. sort of divorce and reconciliation. Which the scenes that it did have were great, but it didn't have enough of them, and they were too widely spaced. <laughs> yes, yes, I agree. Um, and then I think uh, the whole battle um, with where they're both have collars and that feedback loop. I think. Because uh, Egwene had experienced that pain, she was more able to, quote unquote, manage it because she knew what to expect, whereas Renna had never experienced it before. And also no stamina built up for that kind of damage. And also had the fact that she was not expecting it to happen. So in her mind she shouldn't like why that's why she, you know yeah, it's, it, it only works on women who channel yeah like, i did i did like that part of it of like well you know you, you probably can channel a little and you can you know yeah yeah and in in the books that is um the soldam are people that can learn to channel as opposed to being born uh with channeling um but it seems that they've kind of trimmed down that bit of lore which makes a whole lot of sense like it, yeah, it, and, it definitely and, makes sense. And Egwene had already been established the previous season and this one as she's tougher than she looks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and so just this person who was, uh, you know, led a privileged life in her society and has risen to the top rank where she gets to do this very important job is probably yeah. not even experienced what Egwene has in these past two seasons. And Egwene is just tough underneath, right? Yeah. She's ambitious and she's tough. Yep. And now possibly also like maybe a little bit uh, sociopathic, but we'll see. <laughs> Slightly traumatized, shall have, we say. Have we any more urgent questions, child Syracusa? 
Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's most of the mechanical stuff. I mean, it'll be revealed by future episodes. But yeah, there was a, that's part of the problem with compression is sometimes they just don't have they, they just don't properly communicate things that they want to be. Yeah, they, they put things on screen. And sometimes you have to say, what were they trying to say? But yeah. some of them are just mysterious and you don't care. But like the thing about, uh, you know, the, the catharsis of uh, Gwen defeating her captor shouldn't have had it suffered from uh, a lack of clarity about how she was defeating her. You're going to have her defeat her. Yeah. You're going to have yeah. it like what they wanted to happen character wise was she has to defeat her. Right. And get free of that collar because she's going to go on and do other things. Right. And also we want, uh, we want the catharsis of revenge, but also we want to be in a situation where Egwene should, could choose to do a more merciful thing and does not. Yeah. And so they, they hit both of those points, but in a way where it wasn't entirely clear. So maybe I would have. Well, we we had them bit. put it in text earlier in the season where one of uh, between Egwene and and uh, Nynaeve, one of them wanted more power, and one of them didn't want the power that they had. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that tell a person who wrote that thing to say maybe show not tell, but okay. Yeah. Right. Right. You, right. You got you got the information out. Yeah. Uh, final thoughts, John. Uh, well, I don't I don't keep up with the trades as they say, so I have no <laughs> idea if there's going to be a season three, but I really hope there will, and I hope they get a move on because these characters aren't getting any younger. Uh, yeah. So, you know, get, I don't know how long their contracts are or whatever, but like, look, there's 14 bucks. They can't get through it all. So I'm, I kind of fear for how this is going to disintegrate in the age of streaming. Uh, but for a while it exists, uh, I, I'm really enjoying it. It is, like I said, it's just a kind of a, a fresh surprise in the way that the original Game of Thrones was, because I was also completely unfamiliar with those books. I'm like, oh, this is a take on fantasy stuff that I haven't seen before because I haven't read the books. Uh, and, you know, that series I really loved until I didn't. Um, <laughs> uh, this one, I I just I just love the novelty of the world. I said that about season one. I still say it about season two. I, you know, this is a thing that you get from, you know, fantasy books. I was going to say smaller fantasy books. Not like Wheel of Time was small. They're very popular. But there are so many fantasy novels and every one of them has to come up with its own uh, system for magic and its own cultures and its own this and its own that. And. Uh, I, what I'm getting uh, to, to learn here is that a lot of the things that I was attributed to the book are actually attributable to the people who are writing this series that are going either above and beyond the book or benefiting from things that happen later in the book. And I appreciate it. I love seeing fantasy type show that does stuff differently. Um, and I, you know, I'm not saying I did enjoy House of the Dragon. I did enjoy the Lord of the Rings show, but this is my sort of secret underdog, underdog fave because it is just so quirky and interesting and so unlike those two yeah. that if I had like if I had to ditch uh, one of them, this would definitely not be the one I would ditch uh, either House of the Dragons or the Lord of the Rings or probably Lord of the Rings one at this point, um, because the, the House of the Dragon is so its own thing, which is a different vibe than Game of Thrones, but it's in that same vein of takes itself very seriously. It's very serious mm -hmm. and dark and slow paced. And then Lord of the Rings is not sure what it is, although it looks very pretty. And this one seems so much more assured uh i'm looking forward to future seasons and i still enjoy spending time with these characters in fact i wish i could spend more time with them because i feel like some of them just didn't get enough screen time yeah house of the dragon that slow pace show that then abruptly decides to skip nine years uh kathy you're, were you about to give us good news yes you'll be happy to know that season three in fact as we record this today november 5th uh just finished filming um last week was that before how did they do that with the actor strike uh because most of the actors are not in sag 
the majority of them are actually they're, um, they're under actors uh, um, uh, European uh, yeah European uh, mm. guilds so and also uh, they were able to film during the writers strike even though some of the executive producers are also writers. Um, what they did was they were able to go in and make any adjustments or changes to like the set and setup and and whatnot, and then be there during filming. But the second that anything was discussed about the writing, they had to leave the room and they weren't able to come back in. Um, so they uh, stuck to the lines of both um, like what the strike was covered and what was done. Uh, and in addition to honoring the SAG strike, that's why there has been no actor promotion um, during the strike, uh, which is difficult to like, as a fan, obviously supporting all the unions and what did that just give them what they freaking deserve and need. Um but it's it's so hard because there wasn't as much promotion that could be done for the show um, because the actors weren't there. There was a lot of things that they had originally planned that they couldn't do. And it's just like, oh, my goodness, let's get out of the circle of people that watch season one and get people excited about the show again. Hopefully, season three will not have, you know, so far there hasn't been um characters leaving there hasn't been a worldwide pandemic and we'll see when season three comes out if you know there are any strikes going on so yeah it'll be really interesting um as of yet season four has not been announced but uh season three was announced right after season two finished filming so it's possible that we might get an announcement coming up don't know who knows? We'll see. Yeah, we we don't know. Like we don't know what the ratings are, as they yeah. would say. Like, we don't have people watching this, but I, more people should watch it because I know it just looks like another weird tile on on your Prime Video screen. There's so much other stuff there, but this is this is definitely a hidden gem. Yeah, uh, whatever Amazon is paying Sony uh, to put this on their service, it it can't cost. I mean, it, it's got to be a fraction of a fraction of what Rings of Power is costing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Couple things. Um, speaking of the the strikes and promotion and that kind of thing. Um, on the one hand, you know there are a lot of movies that have come out. You know, uh, Bottoms. Um, uh, um, uh, uh, oh, um, Joyride. Um, cool indie things. Things that are running on smaller budgets than the bigger budget Rings of Powers of you know Mission Impossible movies and that sort of thing. Uh, that that I wish had the luxury of more talent being able to do the promotion of them. Um, but I'm hoping that things being reformulated on the other side of these strikes, make it so that it's easier on the junketing side of things on the performers, because there's doing the work on set and doing those junkets is exhausting. Anybody who has been on any part of a red carpet, Kathy, I know that you have, I have, um, film festivals, um, television festivals, all that kind of stuff. It, 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 it has gotten so far away from actually promoting and encouraging the audience that I am hoping that on the other side of all this, some more organic stuff that is geared toward just expanding the audience, just getting people excited about stuff um, is, is something that, that helps make cool stuff like this happen. Um, another thing, uh, we talked on the last episode about, uh, representation in, in fantasy stuff. 
I love that as we saw more cultures, these were not the monocultures that I am so used to in science fiction and fantasy. Um, they are multi-ethnic, you know, multi-layered. None, aside from similar cultural styles at the higher echelons or at the government and military levels of stuff, these all feel like distinct different places with different kinds of people, not just race, creed, what have you. Um, but, but they, this feels like a richer world than I'm used to from productions with a healthy multiple of the budget. I love that there was a, uh, a dwarf actor that I saw in this season and none of what she had to do had anything with her being a dwarf or any of the fantasy related stereotypes that are associated with, uh, people who have dwarfism, um, that in and of itself I, I am so tired of seeing dwarfs mispre- mistreated in fantasy uh, and and uh, I'm, I'm making a bigger deal of it than the show did and that the show didn't make a big deal of it. Uh, and it was just another actor who was in yep. the show um, and absolutely that, killed it. That that's that's why I really, really love this show. And I, I hope we get many, many more installments of it down the road. Yeah, that's one, that's one of the things that's in the front of my mind when I think of this show, of like when I file it away. And it's kind of like that. I mean, it, you, you can tell me uh, from an outside perspective or what reputation the books have. But like, you know, that all the thing that you hear a lot on the Internet of the studies of like uh, when you have women in meetings, and they talk 20 percent of the time. The men think they're dominating the conversation. Yeah. Right. Because they're so used to them talking one percent of the time that as soon as they, they go to talk 20 percent, it's like I couldn't get a word in edgewise. The women were doing all the talking. Right. <laughs> I think of this show as a woman-led story and a women-led show. And is oh, that yeah. just because they merely are given uh, equal representation? I mean, obviously the Aes Sedai are super important in season one, and they're all women, and our main character, Moraine, is a woman. But like in the realm of sword and sorcery fantasy shows, this is so rare <laughs> to see women participating in anything close to equality, let alone occasionally being dominant, yeah. that... That's how I filed this show in my mind. It's like, oh, it's the show where women get to do things. It's the show where women are important and powerful and sophisticated. And I know that it's more to it than that. And yeah. it is a diverse cast that covers all the bases. But merely getting closer to equality makes it seem like this is the show where women are in charge. And it's just it's such a, a breath of fresh air because so many times in shows you'll see like the 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 women who are actors have such charisma and presence and bring so much things to their roles. Like, but they're just the woman. They're just the love yeah. interest. Yeah. They're just the princess or whatever. And this they're all the major important roles and so when they do things and like they are driving the plot they get to do the action scenes they have the important speeches right and it's so it's so refreshing that i you know is that the reputation of the books oh robert jordan wheel of time it's where the women are uh, do stuff in fantasy books i i don't know but the television show definitely stands out in that way even even up against the rings of power it's like galadriel this you know this great character or whatever but like she is surrounded by men with helmets and swords yeah yeah, and I think so because the books started, you know, in the 90s, the idea of uh the women being in charge in in the books is still like the the minuscule amount of women being in charge um in the books was still revolutionary. Um the show has definitely amped that up because in the books Rand is the main character in uh the majority of the books and then the other characters get built up and you see more and more of them but i mean the first book is pretty much the majority of it comes from rand um there are of course the other characters as well but you can tell that rand is the main character um and the show has kind of 
broken that up in a way that allows you'd say it's broken broken the wheel a little yeah, yeah in, just a little in bit. season one like it they had done such a convincing job of it that i'm like there's no way rand's the dragon yeah and at the end of the season when they made him that i'm like really this yeah show? rand yeah. is the dragon on this show and it makes so much more sense <laughs> when you say no in the book he's literally the main character yeah yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I mentioned it, on the last episode that, I mean, I knew that he was the Dragon Reborn because that was the thing that I knew because it was impossible to avoid. Uh, I, I avoided it. <laughs> for me, for me, it was impossible to avoid. I don't have the uh, the wild weaving powers of John Syracuse. <laughs> or the obliviousness to the existence of the show. Yeah, fair, it appeared, in, it appeared on my screen and I pressed the button. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I want to, I wanted to say one more thing and, and, uh, and then throw it over to Kathy, uh, with a question, uh, a question of my own, uh, for her, but, um, we brought up rings of power and Galadriel and that show has a bunch of female characters that pop in. I forget who they are. And it's, it, it, there, there are some characters in, in this show that it took me a little bit to learn names, but I at least knew who they were, what they represented, what their perspective was. I don't feel that about the vast majority of the female characters on Rings of Power who aren't Galadriel or the Dwarf Queen. And that's and and yes, there there are a bunch of other very important characters in that narrative, but they weren't made uh, made as important as clearly defined of people um, as uh, as as I got. Uh, Now, Kathy, without spoiling anything, I will do my best. I know that you have a particular attachment to the character of Avienda. Mm-hmm. How, how do you feel seeing her realized in live action? I think she is fantastic in the, in the books. Her character um, reveal is a little bit is different. Um, and I, I feel like the Avienda, just like the rest of the characters, the, the characters that you see on the screen now are the ones that are truly the start of the f- characters that end up. Because um, in the books, Robert Jordan wrote the first three meant to, well, the first book was meant to be uh, a single. And then he's like, I got more story to tell. Okay, here, have three. And then they just kept coming. And so the the... The world wasn't fully developed. The characters, he kind of knew where they were going to end up, but not really. And so Rafe Judkins and the rest of the writers have the ability to see where the characters are going to end at the series and be able to set them up to feel that way now. And I just loved seeing what little that we did of her and i cannot wait to see her journey um in the future seasons Uh, her cultural obligation to the person who saved her is convenient because otherwise i'd be like why are you helping him right you just met him (laughs) like well for convenience uh my culture is like i have to do this yeah and 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 that is that is uh very uh very true to the culture of the Yael, um, even though in the books that's not how it happens. Uh, um, yeah, what's his name? Beardy dude who sacrifices himself during the last episode. Look, you're in a big group. You got these Aiel with you. Why are you going, I'll oh, <laughs> run, I'll save you. Just send the Aiel, they'll kill right? them all. We feel like we've established you've got three of them there. Yeah. You've got a bunch of spears. <laughs> One of them killed like 50 people. You're like, don't worry, Beardy man will save you. Right. And he gets himself killed. <laughs> Yeah, 
that that I have thoughts about that that um but yeah. they'll have to wait uh, yep. for future I mean, did installments. Ca- well, first of all, my question is, was that character in the book? And second of all, in the book, did he die? <laughs> uh, so in the books, yes, he's in the books. And in the books, um, he does die and he sacrifices himself in a way better way, but also <laughs> reveals that he was a dark friend the whole time, which apparently is in a deleted scene. Um, and he comes back and this whole idea of you can never be so far um, in the dark to not be able to come back to the light. And like the whole, the, I wish that that scene had been in there because the conversation that he has with Perrin around the bodies that they bury after they find, um, you know, the tinkers that have been murdered and they have this moment of like, you know, we don't know why he did what he did. Well, that basically becomes pointless because he's not a dark friend. But he is. I mean, t- talk I, about it, jamming yeah. stuff in, though. Yeah, if you had to jam in uh, because every dark friend gets a scene where we explain what they're, why they turn to the dark yep. was, and then they have to do something dark, and then yeah. die as a redemption. Boy, I, I mean, I, I get why they didn't try to pack right. that in because, like, where would you have fit that? But also the fact that, like, even I w- even if they had just cut in that scene instead of "I'll save you," and then three seconds later he gets two spears in his back, like at least cut to make it look like he has a bigger fighting moment of saving. Uh, yeah, that 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 is a part. I mean, that they, they tried to make it seem like he was providing them some delay for escape. But like by that point, they were in the group with IEL. And I feel like mm-hmm. these people are not using their units well. Because yep. if you have yep. free IEL, like they're yep. they destroy everything. Like just, you know, I guess the horn was handy. And everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, the horn effects like that's where you feel like the body like a, <laughs> I know they wanted it to look cool, but it's like, what can you do? It's yeah. right. I, although I did really something. enjoy Eye Patch Dude is like, yes, I'm totally here. Yeah, <laughs> that... I know I died. I, it's Heroes of the Past, and I was like, I died like three episodes ago. That's right. the past. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that I that is that's not in the books. Um, Uno dies later, like significantly later in the series. Um, and so the fact that he a died this season in a really traumatic moment uh and then comes back and he is a hero of the horn is just like uh what okay <laughs> so the idea is that he always has been a hero of the horn and yeah, no, like just, all of them yeah yeah and so it's just entertaining this is this is such great special edition material that i'm going to add on my own bit about uno and also the the um the the woman who is the voice of uh, Lady Sortuna, Sortuna, Sarath. Sor- uh, yeah. So yeah, all Alwyn is is the Alwyn, character's Alwyn, name. Yes. Yep. So uh, in 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 going back and rewatching scenes as I was watching episodes, I was also making use of the Amazon X ray feature and going, mm-hmm. "Who is this person? Who is this person?" Because when I heard her voice, I went, "She sounds familiar," and she has done tons of anime voiceover. Yep. And she went to the University of Houston. Texas is like the world capital of English language overdubbing of anime. Her husband, who plays Uno, yep, is the artistic uh is is the artistic and executive director of the Prague English Language Shakespeare Company. Yep. And I just I just find it amazing that this uh, this like journeyman couple of theater actors who have occasionally done voiceover and Society of American Fight Directors stuff um, 
you know, found they got three kids and I guess they're they're either splitting their time in the Czech Republic or they're living full time out there. They're pretty much living there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And 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 the the really interesting thing is, is um, the they had not cast the voiced actor yet and she was there obviously supporting her husband at readings and she read the part and freaking nailed it and they were like well uh why not just have her and so that is why she has that role and the fact that she's the one responsible for killing her husband on screen is very entertaining to me yeah i i that that kind of behind the scenes stuff is always fun uh you know what else is always fun uh having nothing left to do but thank my panelists, Mr. John Syracuse. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. I can't wait to talk about season three. And Kathy Campbell, keeper of the secrets who Indeed. did not hold back talking for, for want of wanting to, <laughs> but because she is indeed a great lady of the locked vault. Uh, thank you, Kathy. You are so welcome. If you would like to hear me talk more about the Wheel of Time, check out the Dragon Mount podcast uh, right here on this network. For the majority of it, we do uh, try as best we can to be spoiler free for the first section and then have book spoilers at the end. So uh, that is an option there. And we also are lucky enough to get a lot of, well, pre, pre uh, strikes. We, uh, have been lucky enough to have interviews with a lot of the cast and crew, um, and there is hopefully more stuff coming down the line. So stay tuned. Take it from an authority no less than John Syracusa that they are very good with their spoiler warnings and do their very, very best. Uh, if uh, if it passes his test, I don't know of a better test out there. Uh, as for me, I'm Moises Chuyan. Thank you again for joining us on The Incomparable Mothership. We will be back in an indeterminate amount of time. It could be days, it could be weeks, it could be thousands of years with another episode. Thanks for listening.